That was old school ass whipping for sure. The show was over when they put me to the tail. I would have lapped the field. Yeah, I'm in this bitch terror. Got a head full of stacks. Better grab an umbrella. I make it right. I make it right. All right. We're back. Episode 36, if I'm doing math correctly. Uh, same shit, different week. Uh, don't have anything planned except for uh, a couple questions. And uh, we're joined by, uh, we're taking like the full tank fill approach this week. We're joined, we're going to another sport, which a little bit new for us, but we're going to rock. We're going to get some, uh, some, some handicapping for dummies. Um, so without further ado, John Jorge, uh, Mr. Tennis expert handicapper i don't know what to call you what's up man how you doing this is or or <laughs> georgie can we go george or george or georgie or george any, any work or, any or work. john or hey john you want to go skiing or <laughs> or what i mean this is this is my my dog right here from uh the non-binary <laughs> chat group that we have yeah Yep. He knows he knows all about it. He lives up here in communist Canada <laughs> up there. So, you know, he he's one of us. So let's let him take take the floor and introduce himself and find out how in the hell he found NASCAR being up there in Toronto, then quits watching it. And we're getting him back in it though. He's got legal legalized NASCAR gambling now up there. So <laughs> I, I feel like he's gonna be in it now. Yeah, I, I grew up in the era when I think it was Hendrick was just dominant, right? It was uh, Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt. Well, I, was, I, I started watching when Dale was still at DEI, right? Um, big Dale Earnhardt Jr. fan. He was one of the only guys on NASCAR Hot Pass every single week where you could watch his car, hear his freaking communications, right? So it was like him and then one of Gordon and Johnson and then two other random drivers or four other, whatever. It didn't matter. I just watched the, the Dale uh, feed every week and so like when you watch not just the race but his feed every lap every week you pretty much become a fan of that of that driver so that's how i got into it i played like nascar 07 on ps2 yeah, right. where you work your way up from like arca series into the trucks into like all the way up and i had to you put need on the race. Uh, <laughs> like that shit was so freaking cool uh i loved it the soundtrack was great to that the game too and then they introduced stages, and I thought it was just the corniest shit I had ever freaking seen. I was like, who the hell? What do you mean you run a 400-mile race, but it's like the winner's not announced after 400 miles. We need to have four different winners. It's like, what is this participation trophy shit? Like, what are you talking about? And everyone gets a timeout after each stage and a free pit. It's like, oh, my God, I'm out. I'm done. Run your 400 laps like men. Whoever wins, wins, and then you're done. It's that's where race that is. Sounds like, yeah. It sounds like Rory's like wet dream is <laughs> that's Rory's rants weekly. Why the yeah. fuck are we stage racing? Us as gamblers hate this shit. It's yeah. fucking absolutely horrible. Now though, we've kind of figured out how to try to bet up we got stage options, mm -hmm. bet on first stage, second stage. Now they got scared because they got the shit beat out of them in matchups that they were putting out. So I fucking they don't have them anymore. I hammered the shit out of Christopher Bell. Over Eric week. Jones. Oh, <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Oh my God. I I laid down 
some on that. I was like, this is the dumbest matchup and I've ever seen in my life. So, John, was was like the stage matchups, and you said you're a big junior fan. Obviously, he left the sport, and I think it was 17. Was it a combination of both, or what? You know, what kind of uh, allowed your interest to just go away after that all that time? That that it, I think they did come very close to being almost at the same time. Did they not? I don't know when. Yes. Uh, stages 18 yeah. or 19. Yes. Or, Shortly thereafter. And like I hated that. And then like my favorite driver's gone. Um, like I don't have much NASCAR paraphernalia. I had like two number eight hats when he shifted, or was it 88? Sorry, 88 when he shifted from the eight to the 88 over at, uh, at Hendrick. And then, yeah, when he left, it was like, I don't, I don't see the sense in this anymore. Uh, especially when they went into stages and kind of just threw me off. And now I, if I try and get back into it, it's like, I don't know any of these names. Like I, I recognize the Kesel- Keselowski, the Bushes, uh, but like the best names in the sport, I'm like, who Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson <laughs> man. Like, wasn't this guy like, wasn't this guy like 38th to 40th every single race when I like when I was watching this sport? So it's just weird. It's, but there's that that uh, like Drive to Survive equivalent, I think on USA Network or mm-hmm. something that I watched the first two. I was on a flight back from Europe. They only had two episodes, or one or two episodes, uh, and I thought that it was it was pretty cool, especially with the uh, I don't know who the new. The team, like the new team on the block, trying to make track things house. trendy or yeah, whatever. Track house. Track yeah, house. with the with the guy from Mexico as their yeah. Suarez as yeah. their yeah. driver. Yeah, that one was pretty the, intriguing. That's Pitbull's team. Yeah, 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 yeah that one. Yeah. So I, I thought the USA, I don't even remember what it's called. That's how irre- irrelevant it is for me at this point. Like they tried, I, I get it. There was one meme that came out of it. Like they showed Joey Logano's truck uh, screen and it said, my hot ass wife is calling. Like there was one meme that came from it. Like it was funny, I yeah. guess they tried, it did, you know, didn't really work out. Uh, definitely not like drive to survive. I think this new, I think this new show dirt on Larson and all of them is way better. It's just on Larson, got a little Stenhouse in it, but it's with the dirt guys mm-hmm. that are good. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, I did I see it. It's amazing. For that. Yeah, the first two episodes have came out of that. Oh, I need to watch good. it then. I need to watch. Yeah, dude, Kyle Larson. So yeah. Kyle Larson, uh, not only uh, I feel like, you know, he when he came back, he he got suspended for you know saying some shit he shouldn't have said. He comes back and he wins 10 races in the championship and everyone's like, where the fuck did he come from? And then he's just been, he's, he's the odds on favorite every week. Uh, And then we go to North Wilkesboro all-star weekend weekend. He wins the truck race and uh, leads like 145 out of 200 laps in the cup all-star race. And he posts this video of uh, Lil Wayne and a Millie and it's just Scott Bloomquist and saying, I, it really pissed me off. I'm going to lap the field. Like, that was the coolest shit ever. Like, Kyle Larson's on top of the NASCAR world right now. Like, there is – I saw He's a tweet. So I saw, hold on. Right I saw a now. tweet that someone said, when is Larson going to be in the GOAT conversation? And, and we're not that far away. Like, we're, we're less than five years away from Kyle Larson being in the GOAT conversation. And it's wild. He's only 30 years old. And it's – Rory sucks him off every week, so – <laughs> hey, I can't help it. My man can drive. That's true. I don't. I like bet. I like betting and pulling for and winning. winning. Yeah, know? it's no fun. It's no fun. Like to have a shitty driver that you pull for, but you bet on everybody else. I say just fuck it. You just grab the dog. 
grab the fucking man. And that's who you bet on. So it makes it fun, you know, when he's winning 10 times in the season and you got him every one, one of them times, basically, it makes you feel good. That's fair. They cash in top threes, top fives for you. Absolutely. I mean, he is, he's something else. I, I think that might have I know for a fact that was the best thing that ever happened Absolutely. To him when he did mess up and got shit canned. Because not only that, but it put him back in the dirt car for a whole season mm-hmm. right there. And I think he he got a little bit of that old back in him a little bit where he ran that whole series and didn't have all the spotlight on him and this and that. And I think it was good for him to get a refresh. And then you get put in the best damn equipment in the garage with the best, one of the best crew chiefs right Mm now. I mean, I consider him probably, I know Rodney's my man, but I think Cliff Daniels is the best crew chief in the garage. Right. Well, he made a hell of a call last week. Uh, I will say this, John, if you want to watch a NASCAR race with no stage cautions, uh, NASCAR changed the rules this year. Road courses now, they still have stages, but there's no caution. So there's no timeout, right? Um, So we got Sonoma coming up next month. It will be after the French Open. And I think I failed to mention that when I was talking about your expertise handicapping ability. Uh, John Jorge Georgie is a tennis guy. That's what he spends most of his time doing. Uh, big tennis guy. So I want to talk about the French Open. You know, that's 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 your area of expertise. Uh, it starts on the 28th, which I believe is Sunday or Monday this coming up. So give us a little uh, give us a little background. I'm looking at the odds and we're going to get into a little uh, tennis handicapping for dummies uh, just to get. You know, I feel like there's some similar markets and um, and this is one of the biggest of the year. So. Uh, what are you know? What are some storylines? What are we looking at gambling wise for the French Open? I know a couple guys are hurt. Maybe somebody's out. What's the, what's the deal going into the French Open? Yeah, I mean the, the biggest storyline is last last week, two weeks, sometime in the recent past. Uh, Rafael Nadal, fourteen time champ, announces he's not playing this year. It was plainly obvious to see for anyone once he withdrew from. There's different levels of tournaments in tennis, and he withdrew from the two biggest ones leading into Rome or into. Uh, Paris, one of them in Rome. That was kind of the setting that kind of stage for we know what's coming. Uh, He also hinted that next year might be his last year. If he can come back and play well, he wants to go out, you know, not like this, where he's been out since the Australian in January. And so that opens the door for everyone else, right? You've got like his pick, his compatriot, young gun, Carlos Alcaraz. You've got Novak freaking Djokovic looking to, you know, continue to set records and continue to build his case as the GOAT. If you want to talk about GOAT conversations, uh, tennis is always one of the most fun ones. And all three fan bases are are so annoying when it comes to that conversation. Um, but, you know, he's got a, a resume to build. That's in the top half. The bottom half, you've got, you know, young guns like Holger Runa, Yannick Sinner, Guys like Casper Ruud, who are specialists on this surface because tennis is played across different surfaces. Uh, but he's not having a good year. There's just so many different people that could go far. Daniil Medvedev just won a big event. His only ever title on clay. Perfect timing to get it. You know, so there, there's just a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, so, that's pretty appealing. So I'm looking at the outright market right now. Alcaraz, who I think I saw a headline on on uh, ESPN that he's number one in the world right now, according to the uh, whoever puts that together. But he's I'm looking at a local. He's plus one fifteen. Joker plus one seventy five. And then every it just drops off a cliff. You talked about Rune, uh, Center. Uh, you know, is this typical to have these guys at the top What's of the bitch boy this week? Who's bitch boy? Who's that? 
to to oh, yeah. boy. I'm looking at nine to one Stephane. right now. What a oh my fuck. god! I mean, uh, he's got. I don't know how his draw is, but he's would, he's in a tough part. He got he's up to sixteen to uh, one because he's got to go through not just one of but both of Alcaraz and Djokovic probably just to get to the final. Oh, uh, not shit. even win the damn wow. thing. So uh, okay. yeah, he's got it tough. So is it? But I think those are almost pre-draw odds. Uh, for you, if that's your local, you, you'd probably find some decent value in trying to hit something there because odds have shifted significantly okay. since the draw came out today on Thursday. Um, Alcaraz is up to like plus 160 in some places. Djokovic is over plus 200 now. And guys like Medvedev have come down inside plus 1,000. They're like 9 to 1, I think. Um, I'm looking at it here. Yannick Sinner is 11 to 1. Sinner, he's, he's really matured, I think. Like versus how he used to be, because I mean he started winning some like bigger tur- tournaments, right, in the past year or so, or yeah, beating well, or beating the better guys sometimes yeah. versus choking it all the time. Yeah, and you know his his issue is physicality. It's like twenty one, and he hits the ball probably as hard as anyone out there. But like he's kind of tall, but really scrawny. And so he just beats the crap out of the ball, which takes like, you know, the torque and whatever to, to hit that hard. And But he's like skin and bones. And so the more tennis you play, the more that's going to wear you down, right? But when you're the kind of like paradox of it all is when you're that talented, you're going to play more tennis, right? Because the more you win, the more you have to play. And so he's always had trouble. Like, I'm like, someone get this kid in the gym and don't let this motherfucker skip leg day anymore. Like, get right. him in the gym. Get him building some yeah. goddamn muscle mass so we can afford to stay on the court day in, day out. Because inevitably, this is what always happens with him. He'll have three good runs. He'll have one match rate breaks down. Then the next tournament, he'll win a match and then ret- and then withdraw before his next one. And then he comes back a month later and he has to build back up again. It's like, fuck, for crying out loud, guys. Like, just fucking... Like, get this kid in the gym. It's so obvious. Like, let him compete week to week and play with the big boys because he can beat them. He's got the he's got the forehand and backhand, like, and the way he hits. He can beat absolutely anyone on any surface at any time. Is it typical to have, like, a couple favorites going into one of these major events and, like, then have everybody else? Or is this just the lay of the land with who we've got in the tournament this week? No, it, it's it's at these big events, especially at Grand Slams. Remember, the men now play best three of five tennis. They only do it four times a year, and that it's it's one thing to beat the best two sets, right? But having to beat them again in a third, that plays to the into their hands more, right? So the best players in the world will always be shorter at these events. It's almost like um, if you're playing, you know, your your wild card one and done in baseball or your best three of five divisional series. It's a lot easier to beat one of the best teams three out of five than it is four out of seven, you know, unless the pitching there's, there's caveats to it, but you see what I'm saying? Like the cream rises to the top, the longer the format is generally speaking. So it, it, you do find the favorites are shorter more often than not. It used to be the big three, right? Djokovic, Rafa, Federer. They were just so much better than everyone. It was by default. Now you've got Djokovic and Alcaraz who are just that much better than everyone. So they're kind of that default top tier. And so my, the best way to do things, and this gets into the the handicapping for dummies kind of thing, if they're in the same half of the draw, which they are, the best thing you can do is try and find a combination of talent, uh, a, a winnable path, and and stay on the opposite end of the draw, right? Go down to the bottom half and look for someone down there that has a nice juicy number and just see if you can get them to the final. 
and I think that's what uh, that's what the best strategy is here at the French. So Open. I'm scrolling through Caesar Sportsbook right now, and it's it, it's like taking me like at least ten seconds just to scroll to the bottom of the board. How many people? I'm getting somewhere. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a follow up question after this. How many people are entered into this tournament? Hundred and twelve. Oh There's 128. Holy shit! But. <laughs> There's oh oh buddy I got just wait till the wait till the, the first round gets going wait till brutal. wait till if you wanted to bet on first round matchups and yeah. you're like trying to scroll that fucking shit without yeah yeah that's one of those where you want the number <laughs> like give me yeah. the number beside it you know the local has the number yeah. ID number so oh. you can scroll down through there and, and get them quick and we don't even know the full draw yet because they're still playing qual- every tennis tournament in the world. There's qualifying, right? So lower ranked players get a chance to win their way in. There's like a bit of meritocracy attached to it, uh, which is nice in the in a world of sports that gives up so many goddamn participation trophies these <laughs> days. Like we actually have, you know, win your way into the event, win win the event by winning some fucking things, not you know, getting cheap it's points like golf. Some stupid it's shit. It's like the you know? qualifiers like, for golf yeah. in the majors. That I think yeah. that's awesome. It's like. It's teaching you to be a winner, not a fucking loser. <laughs> I'm right there with yeah, you. So like. We got a bunch of guys, like the last 16 names aren't known until tomorrow, and then they put them into the draw after. So the draw was made today, and there might be 17 or 18, depending on how many people withdraw, but it's got lines in the draw where it just says, like, the name of one guy and then qualifier slash lucky loser, and they'll put that shit in tomorrow. So we still don't even know the whole draw, even though it's been released. That's wild. Uh, which is kind of another quote. Yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is pretty wild. So uh, I'm, I'm the type of guy, I get offered a lot of different matchups in the NASCAR world that are down the pecking order, as I like to call it, like especially in trucks and Xfinity, even in cups sometimes. Uh, these locals will give out matchups that are like – absurd like a 25th place car versus a 35th place car and you're like this is i mean it's only minus 135 and you're just licking your chops over here do we get any of that at the at these you know in any tennis tournament for that matter i mean having 120 something guys i mean i'm sure there's a matchup for every single match right i mean do you do you like going down to the board or do you like focusing up at the top oh the amount of outlay i'll have in the first two days of a of a, of a grand slam it like only I think college basketball betters can really understand the volume. Like I bet the women's side is stuff too. And so like the outrights there are way more fluid. Like there are chicks that in the last five years have made the, the quarters or semifinals that are currently ranked outside the top hundred. Damn. Like anyone with a decent clay game and the right draw can make a run on the women's side. So on the men's side, I save my money. I only have like a unit or two down total and outrights and derivatives. The women's side though, you're like, you've got to hold back on your outlay, just an outright. So then you consider the fact that in the first four days of the event, there are 192 matches that will take place. It's not just that there's 128 people in the draw, so 64 first-round matches. It's that both the men's and women's first round will be done, uh, I guess not in the first four. At other Grand Slams, it is. Here, they, they play the first Sunday, too. So it'll be five days, and they'll have 128 matches played in those five days uh, between the men and women. So, or Sorry. Three days of 128 matches, 192 matches through the first five days. There's a lot to bet on, <laughs> and it turns over quickly. It's not like you're like, okay, you know what I'll say. Imagine, yeah, oh, you know, and and bookies make mistakes because again, when you have so many players sure, in, absolutely, you have players ranked like 180th in the world that win their way in that play lower level events that the market doesn't know that the bookies don't know as well, and they don't they have incomplete data. We don't have. You know, I know there's a ton of sources in golf. You know, you've got 10 different sites that you can run algorithms at. In tennis, there really isn't that kind of product. 
there's tennis abstract, which keeps track of some data, but even that site, they don't track the women's ITF events. The ITF is like the lower tour. So like your, uh, your Xfinity series mm -hmm. or your truck series, right? There's different levels to tennis. And once Challenge you get down it. below ATP and WTA, that data isn't tracked nearly as much. Or if it is tracked, it's like the very basic data. Like how many first serves did they land? You don't get like a lot of the break point stuff. You don't get a lot of the in-depth data. So you got to do tape study, man. It's like UFC in that sense, where if you're not taping these players, you are, you're going to find yourself in trouble if you try and bet purely on uh, like from a quantitative Rory, I'm sorry. I got I, 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 these questions are just popping in my head. I feel like they're good ones. Like <laughs> how do you dissect this many matches like how how do you have that much time to go i mean obviously you're not going through all of them but like do you what what's your process going into the french open are we, are, we, are, we are, are we are you are you looking uh like what's your process going through you scroll the board and and what are you looking for at this point the first thing i'm doing is looking for underdogs that i think you know are are like young players with a ton of upside that are going to be priced in that plus 200, plus 300, especially on the women's side. Again, they only have to play best two of three. So even though they get equal prize money and probably don't sell as many tickets and don't play as long, <laughs> but we won't get into that because then I'm a sexist because that's what idiots say. But, um, you know, <laughs> fiscal truthers here. Canceled. No more writing contracts for John. But um, the, the, the women especially, it's just – the, the top end of the women's game down to the, the like hundredth player. There's so much less between like that 10th overall, that 11th overall player than there, than the hundredth, right. Than there is in the men's side. So instantly you've got, you've always got a better chance. Then you also only, you, your player only has to win two sets to win the match. So you don't need a third set um, where the, the probably second best player wins. So, I mean, right there, if I see someone that I think wins 40, 50% of the time and they're down at like plus 200 plus 250, that's like an instant red flag. I can just throw a unit down there. Even a half unit can bring back in some nice profit. It doesn't, you're not outlaying too much. Mm -hmm. um, and you can spot those. They're the and then only you, ones that I tell. You know me. I like the bit when I start seeing the yeah. plus 300 <laughs> and this shit. And I'm like, oh my God, hell yes. That's the only ones I'm taking. Fuck the juice ones. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah. I mean, then you also want to pair it up sometimes with the over, right? Like, a lot of people will go plus games in the money line with women's tennis. I find like blowout sets are so much easier and happen so much more often that the plus games isn't worth as much. Um, and of course you get more games than you would on a men's bet. Like in a best of three tournament, you a plus three and a half for the men is probably like a plus four and a half for the similar money line price range with the women. But even still, I'd rather have the plus sets or the over because if a lot of times what happens is these women will get out to big leads and then they'll choke. And this happens on the men's side too, uh, to be honest. Not as often though. So if you want to hedge your underdog bet, I always go over for a unit and then like money line, either a half unit or sometimes a full unit too. Sometimes I'm like, screw it. This this number is way too wrong. If, if she loses and she chokes away a lead, whatever. I break even on the match or I get juiced out for a little bit. But if she wins... And I'm right that this number is pretty wrong over the long term. I'm going to make some nice coin, right? So, oh, I like that's it. how Laying I generate coin, baby. Yeah. Now we're talking. <laughs> All right, let's get into some bets. Oh, so, yeah. you told me before the show you only like a couple guys on the men's side, maybe a little bit more on the women's side. Uh, we're pre tourney right now. This podcast will be out pre tourney. You'll have a few days to go to the ticket counter. 
what are we looking at this week? Who, who, who do you like? Who have you already laid money on? Or who are you eyeing to lay some coin down on? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going down to the bottom half of this men's draw. Uh, the seeds just don't seem as tough. Some of them are, are playing some pretty crappy tennis. Some of them aren't very good on clay courts. And the combination of those two leaves a lot of possibilities here. And I, I just don't think that more than five or six guys can win it. Like I said, the, the longer format means that it's really tough for someone that's, you know, a 30, 40 to one underdog to, to make that run because they'd have to beat three or four guys that are just so much better than them. And they have to do it over a longer period of time. It's just, it's just not conducive uh, to underdog betting in, in an outright capacity. So I've narrowed it down to like six guys. I've decided I'm going to jump down to the half that doesn't have Alcaraz and Sitsi pass. That takes me down to three guys. And then I'm still not going to be a believer in Medvedev here. So I'm going to Yannick Sinner plus 1100 just because him and Holger Rune are the only two guys here that I think have a shot at taking out other big players that have the talent that have the clay court ability uh, to go deep. Sinner has some physical concerns. That's fine. It's always going to be there with him. But uh, with one at plus 850, one at plus 1100, I have them with a similar shot here. I'm going to go with the plus 1100. I got Yannick Sinner in this one. I got a half unit down on him um, before the tournament starts. I'm making some notes here so I can uh, play some wagers after we get done recording. (laughs) I got to have some action down. Um, All right. Any more on the women's or maybe maybe matchup? Yeah, go ahead, Rory. What about – how how Zev looked since he's came back from that freaking ankle break. Now it's funny he's looked really good in some spots. Like in Monte Carlo, he had a decent run, but then he choked horribly to Daniil Medvedev. Uh, he's done that twice this year. Did so he get up really on good? But there's times where he's like won one or two games in a match. Mm. You know what I mean? You got to win six to win a set, two sets to win a match. Uh, in this case, three. And he's just lost like to randos. And a lot of it is you, you've got to be careful with him just because um, he's got, I think, either one of the two types of diabetes and he has his kind of like blood sugar measurement right on court. And there's been times where he's been taking it constantly or checking it because he's not feeling physically 100. Like you can tell he's out of it. And he just gets railroaded in those matches. So it's tough to look at things from a best of five like he's got to play longer matches and he's had trouble on random days. Like those, that's a landmine you could walk into. Well, what are you, you looking at like on a matchup with him? Like early round, he's still going to be heavily favored. Oh yeah. Huge. Yeah. Just by his name recognition. And he's, he's playing really well this week at a tournament in Switzerland too. So if he wins that, it's just going to become more expensive to bet on him anyway. Gotcha. So you may be, uh, okay. maybe on the fade train, maybe we'll see the first round or two and then possibly, you know, pull the trigger on something. You know, like he's slated to play potentially Yannick Sinner in that fourth round, which would be a pretty freaking big, like there's seven rounds. So the fourth round is like that pretty much halfway point where you start to whittle down to like the best players in the world and get those what we call popcorn matchups, right? You get out your popcorn and and just enjoy as these guys go basically to war for three, four hours. Um, before that, though, he's got a great section. I mean, I'm not fading him first round. I'm not fading him second round. Maybe third round, there's one name. There's an Australian guy named Alexi Popperin who's really improved on clay courts this year from the past that I might look at if I can get like a plus three, 400 on. But outside of that, I'm I'm probably just going to wait till that, that fourth round against uh, against center. So you've got center down and you like the bracket that he's in. 
Um, what does it look like round three, four, five? Let's say center's in it. Let's say center's not in it. Um, are you continuing to add your outright? Okay, now I know who's left. Now I know the who's left in the bracket. Um, I, you know, okay, a couple of these big names, they're out, right? Um, you know, is do you add more on the the outrights at that point, or are you going? You know, are you still going to ride these matchups throughout the tournament? Well, I'll be, yeah, I'll be riding mad. The, the matchups are going to, they, they take a, a good chunk of the bankroll to, to get down on a bunch of the different um, matches, right? I mean, even if you only play 15% of the board in the first round, you're, you're betting 18 different matches. Yeah, and then, crazy. you know, one of the numbers might be, one of them might be a two unit play. One of them might, you know, so you might have an outlay of 25, 30 units. And if you're doing it by percentage, your bankroll, like I do, that's a significant mm-hmm. um, investment through the first round. And, I generally bet more than 15% of the board. So <laughs> you can, that tells you kind of where I end up. So outrights are, um, the markets can be a little tougher to beat because I think, the, especially the offshores that are legal here now, they kind of have a higher hold there. So the prices don't seem as nice sometimes. Um, Pinnacle included, like Pinnacle always has great prices up here for individual stuff. But then in the outright markets, like they don't always have the best price on almost any player, really. So it, it becomes less enticing. If I see like a big name go out and, you know, the books the next day put up new numbers and to win the quarter. So you can bet on the player. To I was going to ask. Too, yeah, so I was going to ask that. Yeah, that's where I'd look to add some live stuff. Like, let's say Alcaraz gets somehow upset early, which he won't. But like if he did and then everyone gets a bump up in their probabilities of winning it. But there's one player you're like, nah, man, that guy's that guy didn't get enough of a bump in those new in the new prices that came up those are the kinds of guys i looked for like that's where you want your dark horses that are still being priced as a dark horse even though you think that they should be one of the favorites to win their quarter now that uh now that the big dog is gone or the big name is out so like in nascar we have the playoff system now which you you probably saw a couple years of uh you know now the books have given us like uh driver to make the final four the championship four. um week to week basis we have you know top three top five top 10 markets um so you know you don't need to bet them outright but you can bet them okay i think like rory's on brad keselowski top 10 this week sorry i just gave out your play um but it, oh no that, that's just something i put every in. time i say his name he just has to talk something right <laughs> he just has to <laughs> well, say something were, i put that I put that out last night, top 10 on Kez, and then I parlayed him with two overs in the first period and the full game in the hockey game last night. So now I got him at only $20 and pays back the 175 versus 100 That's fair. <laughs> it was just fair. But my point, my point it, being here is we, we have a, you know, we have a good amount of options. We'd love more obviously in the NASCAR market, but uh, do you dabble in the, like you saying to win quarters, like to make the final four, I'm, I'm probably using the wrong words here, but um, do you, do you like those props uh, and, and any other props that I'm missing here that may be, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the word like uh, only tennis. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's like stage of elimination. You have player to go further in an outright uh, perspective too, but they don't line more than five or six for the men and women. Like, each so you might only get 10 markets there and sometimes it's like meh this always this feels right it feels obvious right like the favorite feels like the obvious favorite and then it's juiced to high hell too like it's not you know your minus 110 each way market those are like minus 120s or minus 115s each way and so now you're like eh, it's less in- again it's the, the better the number the more freaking enticing it's always gonna I feel, be 
I feel like oh. tennis is one of those sports where you want to have CLV because the damn lines, man, they'll they move, move like a mother. I mean, it must be a lot of money that comes in on tennis. Well, um, you know, honestly, like let's use Pinnacle as an example. They're, they move their numbers based on – they don't limit individual people, but they have posted limits uh, for everyone beneath each interesting. Match, right? So like, And it goes up. So right now I can get 1,800 down Canadian on X matchup, and then it'll go up as time passes as they start to get more information from their sharps and from whatever. And everyone has the same limits. Those open, they used to open for the men and women at like, and I'm talking Canadian dollars too. So when I say at $140, I mean 100 American. This year, they've done a much better job where the opening limit for the men is like 500 Canadian. So now you're up to like, for, uh, 350 American yeah. and then you know and and they go up quicker and quicker so like the women's stuff within two three hours today was already up to 1200 Canadian again somewhere near eight nine hundred American dollars so that's the nice part is if you're a if you're a I'm not a pro tennis better I have um like other like revenue streams in my life uh, I'm not gonna give away my channel <laughs> uh, but uh you know I I do have other rep like but if you were a pro tennis better it was awfully hard before this year um especially with pinnacle especially if you're flagged as a sharp because your money would move it the lines more but i i do think yeah clv matters and um and now like you know bookmakers out there too and offshore and pinnacle has higher limits so now i feel like it's if you have a big bankroll it's starting to get easier to let's to talk about these limits for a second that is something i have never heard of a group wide or like a i guess a book wide limit do you like it cuz i there's guys in the nascar betting community that that like you said they're not pros they have other you know revenue sources uh, but they're getting limited to like $2. Like it's unbettable. Like they're basically right. banned from that. Book. I have shit that has to be approved and I haven't had the whole well, amount of right. before and things like that. But the only book that I've ever had a fucking problem out of is MGM. They fucking suck. But see, that's like, the thing is like, that's what, right. that's what happens is they're, they're like, they don't post limits on like right underneath the bed. It'll show you. Like star you scored. On. Star scored. Tied it up. Let's go, baby. Sorry. It'll be. It was. It was like for me, forty six eighty one right now on a minus one forty um, Canadian. Again, this is all in Canadian yeah, dollars. Uh, for a minus five and a half on this one chick that I think wins, you know, comfortably, which is nice. And again, these were posted earlier today. This never used to happen with women's tennis to be able, even at a Grand Slam, even at these big events that have more money coming in. So it's nice. But yeah, the the advantage is as much as the low limits early on suck, uh, and you do have you know, for me it's it's not a big deal because when it's at five hundred, I'm not I'm not dropping five hundred as like oh look oh that that price is off I'm just gonna drop five hundred on it like I'll go in and I'll put down hundred or like seventy five mm-hmm. or one hundred and fifty like I'm not I'm not claiming here to be this big like follow me ten unit bangers you know <laughs> I like, drop five grand on a game bro like that's not who I am I'm not gonna say I'm like that like I'm not gonna lie about it to gain credibility. I think, you know, my handicapping speaks for itself. Um, but it's it, the nice part about that is as much as it can suck early on, not getting as much as you want down, You they never limit people to that $2 or $3 based on how good you are because they they welcome like sharp betters, right? Circus, it's like, it's basically our version of circus sports. They'll show you the limit. The limits are for everyone. You can get 5K down, you can get 5K down, and then we'll raise the limits as we get more information and feel our line is tighter. So it's nice. I, I kind of like that 
um, about Pinnacle. It's something I respect about that. Them. It sounds. I mean, it sounds great yeah, until yeah. I, it it affects me, right? I mean, I don't. I've never had to deal with it. I've sounds heard good. that. I've heard that about them is they like that because their short betters come out and kind of set the line. That's what it sounds right. like. Yeah, that's what that, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean. I, and the thing is with the legals, and I think a lot of people, it's these people that jump on odds immediately. They will fucking limit you in a heartbeat quicker on the legal books here if you're beating their ass CLV. Like, if you're waiting later on, I don't think you have a problem getting limited. I think they're they're looking at you like as a really professional better if you're sitting there you know, laying down and then they're not smart enough to do it like Pinnacle and just limit the open open bets right. exactly. out there. And it's like, yeah, all right, we'll let you get down this much. If you beat us, you beat us. And then now we know where to move it. And if you want more, <laughs> then, you know, whatever, after we adjust the line. But we're not going to let you kill us on a really shitty line, yeah. so to speak. Because, I mean... A, whole, a book's putting out a lot of shit at one time, and it's, you know, it can be difficult to keep up with stuff if you got, let's say you got like big ass sporting events all going on at the same time, and it's a lot of games. I mean, right now you have the College World Series going on, like wild tennis is going on, and, and these are sports that people don't normally bet on in the regular season. But then all of a sudden you got all this fucking public money starting to come in on two random ass sports that are never bet on. So, I mean, I can see where you're taking advantage of a bad number. You know what I'm saying? Like, Well, you were talking about earlier, John, like you, you said it a few times, jumping on a bad number, what you think is a bad number. I feel like there's got to be opportunities, especially – when there's 190 something matches in the first few days of this tournament, I mean, there's like what Rory, what you said, it's like these books are putting out a lot of different lines for a lot of different sports. And even if you just wanted to look at the French open, I mean, fuck, that's a, there's gotta be bad numbers. College baseball is a fucking moneymaker after this week. Yeah. I just don't call the Alabama the coach. See what he's on tonight. <laughs> Damn right! You gotta you gotta find out those coaches that got that Pete Rose yeah. in them because <laughs> they're out there. You damn know they're out there. Yeah. Hey, all right, my bad. I didn't mean to interrupt. Interrupt there. I do that from time to time. By the way, <laughs> no that that's exactly it too. And the thing, the nice part is, it's it's not just that they have 120 matches they got to put up. I can't remember what his name is, uh, but the director of Pinnacle was talking about you know. We have the advantage of, you know, juiced lines, right? But betters have the advantage of getting to pick what what matches they want to bet. We're putting them all up. You don't have to bet everything. We have to put everything up. You don't have to bet everything. So we're not going to be perfect. And they know it too. And here's the one thing is I've noticed, and like I don't care about letting – this isn't an edge I have because the edge comes from my ability to contextualize information and play styles, which is something that can't be put into a data-driven algorithm. If you look at the ELO ratings on Tennis Abstract, these lines are so often heavily, especially the openers, are so heavily correlated with the ELO ratings. And then Jeff Sackman, who runs the site, even posts, hey, a 100-point difference in the ELO rating equates to this uh, percentage chance that the player wins, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, they know exactly not just which player is better, but depending on how the difference in their ELO ratings, now they know exactly how much juice to put on each side, right? Like, oh, this... If this is a 75% chance here, that's a minus X uh, freaking price. 
that's great for me because I don't like I use ELO ratings, but that's one tool I have out of like five different tools I'll use. A lot of that is contextualizing information. And maybe I disagree with the ELO ratings. Maybe I weight some of the quality of competition differently than they do. And then I can find uh, my way. And it's that. And then like hold break percentages, like how often does a player hold their serve versus break on a, on a particular surface. Again, that, that side of things is not weighted by quality of competition. So you've got an ability to, if you know how to break down the data or you know how to go through a player's history, you have the ability to be like, yeah, that's a data-driven line. That's a quantitative line that an algorithm spit out and it's flat out wrong. So, and you can take advantage. Yeah, there's there's us two, me and Rory. When it you know comes- what, my algorithm, my algorithm, <laughs> algorithm, <laughs> god damn, what a word. Amarillo? Hey, it, mine, yeah, mine swallows. Mine doesn't spit <laughs> shit out. <laughs> so what I was fixing to say was Rory and I, we use numbers, we use data, we use models, but we we, we don't live in yeah, my models. <laughs> we don't live in die by them. Like I like when I first started gambling on NASCAR, all I did was use the eye test. I did not look at speed rankings. I did not look at average finish. Like I, the only thing I used were my fan eyes, like a fan of the sport. And now that, uh, you know, there's so much out there and it sounds like there's more in tennis, but there's so much out there in NASCAR now. These just these am- I'm going to call them amateurs, but there's these geniuses that they they get all this all these numbers together. And some of some people will use the numbers and whatever that spits out, that's what they bet. Right. And and I, I just don't think that that is a long term profitable thing because it is like, if you're, you're a big if you bet on a bunch of shit, you're a high volume better. I can see where it works in NASCAR, but if you're, and it still doesn't because of bad luck and exactly stupid shit that happens. Like also, you got to use your head though. You gotta bet. You gotta pick out like a few different things in a few different areas. Unless it's weeks, some weeks that it just works out. I I feel like I can hit all kinds of shit. Most weeks, I'm putting out like outright or something because you know me i'm gonna lie about the shit and then i'm looking at one or two matchups that catch my eye and i'm pounding the fuck out of them and then i'm probably gonna be on a really good top five that i'm really loving and feeling good with coming in here or let's say i'm gonna take the favorite going into the race and i'm just gonna load up on him well that's basically all i'm going to do with him is load up on him and then i'm gonna take the guy that's like the second or third favorite if i really feel like they're his only competition and then hammer the fuck out of their top five i mean cover yourself with somebody that may beat you and may win the race but you still at least get your money back and make a little bit of profit. yeah and i i think where i was thank you roy that was good where i'm trying to go with this is like it sounds like you have to use your eyes and this, I don't know what this ELO score is, but it sounds like important people and money driven people use it. It sounds like the books look at it. It sounds like other handicappers look at it. And it sounds like from, from what you're saying, not necessarily the end all be all. And I, and I like that. I think, you know, I don't, I don't bet other sports. I'll bet on the Jags, you know, every once in a while. And, um, I'll, you know, I'll tell some handicappers in some other sports, some F1 tennis in the French open coming up. But, uh, how much, how much do you use the eye test? 
compared to the numbers. Like you, you may not have a model that spits something out for you and say, okay, uh, Alcaraz is going to win because my model says so. But what's your, what's your weight between your eye test, how you watch them, what you think, uh, this guy's ability is, or this girl's ability is compared to, okay, I'm going to lose at these match breaks or hard breaks or whatever the fuck you said earlier. Uh, and the, the numbers basically. Right. Uh, I think again, it's like even the numbers and it's actually, I would say we have less of it for tennis. It's just one site and it's some of the data can be incomplete because they don't track all the lower level stuff. And some young players, like they, they haven't had a time. They haven't had time to amass a decent sample size. Then there's players coming back from injury and there's a whole whack of stuff in there that is just, there's so much context that needs to be applied that I pretty much, that's where I look to do. You can start with the data. A lot of people are going to have, again, it's going to be heavily driven by it. I, I have it as like a kind of not even a foundation because it's a foundation implies it's super important. It's like the, the, you know, foundational way you start something. I wouldn't even say it's that I'd say, I'd look at it. I understand it. And then if I could look at something and be like, okay, the number makes sense based on that, but this player has played much better competition. And, you know, a lot of that has been accumulated on a different surface or um, like they have surface specific data, but there's, if I can find three or four caveats and I'm like, well, that number makes sense based on the data I have in front of me, but there's three or four caveats here that I feel like they aren't taken into account. And once you do factor those in, you should have a much different kind of price on X or Y player. And that's where I kind of want to jump in. So I use the data to kind of guide me Mm -hmm to why the market is the way it is, right? Because the fact is, I don't, you don't want to look at something and be like, oh, that's wrong. You got to be like, why is it wrong? Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. You can have that intuitive feel for why, like a number being wrong and you may actually be correct. But if you can't figure out why the hell it's wrong, then, you know, then a lot of the times you're going to get caught in that thing of that, that space where you think you're smarter than the books and the market. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) But but you know what I mean? Like yes, that's when you're trying to absolutely. like predict outcomes or be better yeah. than the books when they have so much more money and resources behind them than you. You've got to find a reason why the market might be wrong. Like, okay, this I is feel a- like if you're not watching a sport, I really feel like you have no business betting it. You're better off telling people that do watch it and have model numbers, regardless of whether it's somebody else's model that's trustworthy that they just let you use it or like. You, you have to be able to watch tennis, like racing. I think they're probably two of the biggest ones that you have to literally be watching. MMA. At a, big, at a big tournament like this, you know, you pick up on basketball teams in the NCAA tournaments, just like they are playing like shit. This team isn't. Or you get a team that comes out flat or something, and you know that they do. Then it's a perfect live betting it plus money to win in the you know the whole game at awesome odds. That's why I like just sitting back. Like I know sometimes you get fucked and you end up like, damn, I was going to take them anyway, but I was playing it cute and I sat back. But nine times out of ten, I can always get the fucking team or whatever that I wanted at a better number. At it's some- just like you and NASCAR betting. Like <laughs> he says this weekly, so like you know, Larson this week is four and a half to one, and he, you know, I think I heard him say it the other night. He's like, he'll spend one fucking time at least in I, this race. I, I'm giving him a compliment here. I can't even get that out. 
just kidding. No, but yeah. my point is, he's you know he, he'll be like, I'll, I'll be like, I, I love Larson this week four and a half to one. Not saying that I do, but I'm just saying, hey, I love Larson. And Roy's like, oh, you'll be able to at least get him ten to one live. And sure, fucking enough, we're a lab. We're halfway <laughs> through the race. We're through stage two, and it's like Larson ten to one, and he fucking comes out and wins the race. It's like. <laughs> You gotta be. You gotta have. That's my algorithm. <laughs> it sucks. It doesn't swallow. <laughs> See, or it swallows. It you know. Spit. You know what I would say. <laughs> I would say though. I think we're talking about NASCAR, which I guess has a team element to it. But let's be real here. It's an individual sport. We talk about MMA. I feel like that's another sport where you've got to have some feel for the the stylistic matchup. Individual sport. Tennis, same thing. It's an individual sport. In team sports, you can hide a weakness. Or, like, you can rotate guys in and out if someone's playing poorly. You know what I mean? You have ways to mask that and let let that data kind of drive the game, right? And when, when it's an individual sport, the variance can be so much higher. Because if you're having an off day, there's no one to, to, to help you out. You, don't, you can't sit on the bench, like in basketball or hockey. Like, other people get double shifted and you're sitting on the bench because you're playing poorly. There's no way to do that and to mask you. Like, it's just you on the court. If you're struggling... You got to figure it the fuck out. Otherwise, you lose and you're going to lose bad. Period. End of story. Same thing in NASCAR. If you're having a bad day on the track, you got to find a way to drive fucking through it. You know, well, MMA, if you're getting your ass yeah. kicked, turn it around, yeah. go for the knockout, do something. Like, well, there's no one what, else yeah. there. Yeah. That is what makes your cop like Kyle Larson's. Um, I think Kevin Harvick does yeah. a hell of a job with what he's probably driving in right now at this point. And Denny Hamlin. I mean, I think Denny Hamlin can take a bad car and get a good finish out of it. I mean, I hate that motherfucker, but <laughs> I I will give him props where props are due. I don't say I hate him. I just some of the stuff he plays like he plays both sides. I feel like he's wishy washy. He wants to be a fan favorite when he's not, and and he also plays that owner on the other sides. You know, with NASCAR, you don't want to say but so much and i mean i know he got in trouble you know a few weeks ago but that was really talking about his wreck and i don't know i just feel like nascar doesn't like for the drivers to be themselves anymore like you know and just i mean what are we even saying here that we got boys have at it and then it's not boys have at it, it <laughs> it's it's if we decide it's okay boys have at it and if not, if we don't like something that you say or do, then we're going to find you. We just went from uh, single athlete sport variants to <laughs> boys have at it. NASCAR's doing a terrible job. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get out of this. Guy. But hold I mean, on, hold fuck. on, hold on. No, hold on. We almost had a good fight. God, I mean, right on pit road. You know what I'm I'll, saying? I'll agree with you. Absolutely. Like, like Absolutely. and and what and what are we doing here? Like we gotta break <laughs> this right. up. But John's like, got a good point on. here. Like the sing, like NASCAR is a it's a it, it's a team sport. Yes, like the the team, the shop, the guys at the shop, they prepare the car. It's all about the minds in the well. It's about the money first. But if you got the money, it's all about the minds, right? The you brains. Have to pay that, attention to pick. Shut brain. up. Let me oh. finish what I'm saying. <laughs> Definitely. Na- if I wouldn't have said that, I would thank have you. That's how I feel that. on a daily basis. With I you. was more so saying that to John, not <laughs> you. So team sport, yes, they prepare the car. There's crew chiefs, there's spotters. It's a team sport. But at the end of the day, 
there's one guy with the steering wheel in his hand and the pedal between his feet, right? And there's one guy that makes decisions on certain tracks. You know, there's guys that are better on super speedways. There's guys that are better on road courses, like Tyler Reddick. He went from one team. He was at Chevy RCR last year. Won, I think, twice on a road course. He at least won once, Road America. Then he comes to Toyota. By the way, Denny Hamlin owns a team now, 2311, with Michael Jordan. Uh, so Tyler Reddick comes over to, to Toyota, totally different team, different manufacturer, and wins on a road course. So there's, you know, there's driver ability in this. And, you know, it's it sounds like cliche, but, like, you bet certain guys when we go to certain tracks. Like, Kyle Larson is probably the best all around at every track, like different different uh, surfaces, right? So I'm sure there's guys that specialize in clay and they specialize in grass or hard courts. And, you know, there's certain guys that specialize in at certain tracks in NASCAR. But you you made a, a very interesting point that um, that I think lays into and backs up your – you got to use the eye test, right? You can let the numbers tell you why the line is that way or you know maybe give you an, an, uh, an, an inkling on why it's that way. But also at the same time, you got to have a reason why, even if you disagree with that number, you got to have a reason why, and then you can use the eye test to maybe explain that, or you can use different numbers, different data sets, whatever. But it, it's it's we use the eye test in NASCAR. I used, and I know Rory does the eye test in NASCAR. And um, I guess final question here is. I think I already asked a version of this question, but like when you see the line and you see the data and you go, that's wrong, but maybe I can't bet it. Is there, are there other options in tennis? Like, okay, I, you know, I maybe don't like this guy's money line. I don't even like his spread, but I think he's going to win in a landslide here. Are there other markets? Are you, are you, are you going for the live or can you bet game spreads can I get down that road? Oh yeah. Sets. Oh, yeah. You can bet two or, Yep. You know, set spreads, set, uh, yeah. game spreads. I always, again, this is one where just something else. If people are going to jump into tennis betting uh, with women's tennis, I will almost always take the minus games over the minus sets because when there's more lopsided sets involved, you get a better chance of covering your game spread in three. You can have a, a chick blow a, blow a set like six, four, lose it. And then when the other one's six, one and six, one, and you're sitting there with your two, nothing ticket, like shit. This wasn't even that much better of a price than the minus four and a half was, for Christ's right. sake. And, like, I have to hit one in two sets. I can hit the other one in three sets if things go right. Like, and it's, again, it's like, it's not necessarily likely that you're going to cover a four and a half game spread in three sets, but there's a chance. Mm-hmm. There's 0% chance that you cover minus one and a half sets if it goes three sets. You know what I'm right. saying? So there's certain ways yeah. to approach certain matches. There's one chick in particular. Her name is Marketa Vondrosova. That's a key one. If you see her spreads at like minus five and you're like, oh, I'll just take her uh, to win two nothing. Nah, bro. That chick takes sets off. She's three times this year already. She's won in three sets, but her like, you can only win a tennis match by 12 games, right? That's the maximum margin of victory. She has won matches twice this year by eight to 10 games. Damn. That's a dominant fucking Damn. win. But she's done it yeah. because she's sure. a lazy, nonchalant, lackadaisical loser for an entire set she just takes it off jogs around has her you know shoulders slumped pouty face nothing's going right woe is me then in the other two sets she's like oh bro this is easy six love six love and you're like well what the fuck is that man like <laughs> or you have the called... under or she does that when you have the under because you get about an extra game to play with on the under versus the minus she's, games uh, that's the price working. you pay to to need it to be done in two sets 
I, I had her for the book. <laughs> I, had, <yeah>. <laughs> I had her on an under a couple weeks ago, and she won it like I think it was six love. Then she lost the second set six four, and then won against six one. I was like, motherfucker! Like she just won that match for like ten games, and I lost my under. Are you <laughs> kidding me, bro? All right. So yeah, watch for that. That's that's what I'd okay. say. Go go with like know your players, and if you don't, try and find a uh, certain spots. Fatigue fades. If a guy plays for four hours one day, two days later. You know, you might find a live spot if he wins the first set, but you can see him fatiguing. That's where the eye test comes mm-hmm, in, that mm-hmm, tape study. Mm-hmm. You know he played four hours. He had one day off. He comes back. He's playing again. He wins the first set in an hour and 10 minutes. It looks like he's fading early in the second set. If he was the favorite pre-match, you're definitely getting plus money to fade him live there, right? You're getting decent plus money, too, if he, if he wins the first. Because live, live stuff on tennis, all algo-based. All, like, he was minus, you know... 400 pre-match after the first set. He's now minus 650 if he wins it, minus 700. And you see him fatiguing, bro, you've got a nice, nice chance. And it's a cheap one too. You don't need 100 bucks there to, to make some coin, right? You can you can live fade him for like 30 bucks, 40 bucks and and still make a few hundred. Sure, I like it. All right, uh, I lied. Last question. Give us one men, one men's play and one women's play. It could be a matchup first round. It could be an outright. I know you gave a center earlier. Um but, you know, this is a NASCAR gambling podcast, so I'm sure guys aren't going to be and, having huge bankrolls. I'm just going to keep up. talking. These guys are going to have – And you have to pull up NASCAR odds, too, and give us a pick for the – You just, pick, a, pick a name out of a hat. But, yeah, yeah, you yeah. got to pull one out. But, you know, like, a lot of guys listening to this are not going to use 5% of their bankroll on, on the French Open. But right. maybe they might take a play or two. So give us one men's and one women's play. All right. Uh, for the men's play, I got to go Pedro Kachin money line against Dominic Team. Guy that obviously everyone knows, well, everyone who follows tennis knows Dominic Team years ago. I think, I believe he won the U.S. Open uh, in one of the worst matches ever played. He's made deep runs at the French Open before. He's well known as a clay quarter, but he had like wrist surgery and his wrists are super important for the, the top spin he generates. Anyway, very important for his game on clay. He's been terrible this year, man. And he's faded physically in a lot of matches. Okay. Even at the lower levels. Now he's playing a guy who's competent on the surface. And this is a best of five match. If you're fading in best of three, bro, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. And I, I can't have him like this is a plus money play for a clay court specialist against them here in a long format. I'll just blind. I'll take the plus money there. I don't care. Like this is one of those spots that you just know, and it doesn't take extensive data to figure out. Like team has been bad enough in best of three, and he's now a favorite juiced against a clay court specialist in a best of five format. Just fade him. Okay. Like again, doesn't have to be large Uh, for the women's stuff. Now this is fun. I got to go with an underdog here too. I mean, I can't go to women's tennis and take a favorite in a first round matchup. There's just too many underdogs to like, I'm going to go with something that people can bet just a little bit on. Um, and, and hopefully make some decent cash. And I'm going to go with a long shot here. Rebecca Masarova to beat Coco Goff, the American who went to the final last year. She's been horrible of late. Her forehand is, I mean, it's not just bad. It's just, it's getting to be beyond bad now. Like players with power would just hit to that wing and she just can't get the ball back. Like she commits error after error. Masarova has that. She's like a six foot one oh, yeah. chick. She's oh, yeah. actually married to another tennis player who's like a five seven dude. It's hilarious <laughs> when they post shit to Instagram, bro. Uh, but she has the power to to rush that forehand. And Goff, like even with players without power, 
in in recent weeks she was losing to is like a minus 300 favorite. She's very, very vulnerable because of her name recognition, because of her ranking and because of her success here last year. Books are still giving her a ton of respect. Take the plus one and a half sets if you want to go safer. That's going to be plus money too. Just to win one set will be plus money here. I have no problem fading her uh, as well. And I'll, like I said, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna come on here and do one women's play, it's got to be a long shot love on the it. dog. It's like that's my specialty. I love it. All right, any chance you got NASCAR odds up, or you want me to roll through them real quick? You got- uh, let me see. I don't even know if Pinnacle. I just have. Let me check out my bet three six five for a sec. They're the ones that generally spread all oh, that. Rory shit. loves <laughs> bet three sixty five. Yeah, there you go. All right, Coca Cola six hundred. Look, I'm just gonna. I have no idea what <laughs> yeah, I'm talking okay. about, but it's a six hundred mile race. Yeah. Six hundred mile race. That's like best of five, right? Like the longer the race, the more likely it's going to be won by it's one of the top dogs. Stages. I would agree. I would agree with that, stages. John. Yeah, something like yeah. that. All right. Well, yeah. give me a. Do I have any matchups here? I do. Oh no, it's all dri- driver stuff. So, oh boy, is Ross Chastain plus a thousand? A, a would he be a good bet? Is yes, he the I've laid that points? bet already. Yes. Boom. Let's I'll go. take it there. That's fine. You did not tell me before <laughs> and you God. made that bet. You didn't was, talk NASCAR at all. He knows Bella. He knows Bella. Oh, boy. boy. Ross Chastain, 10 to 1. Let's Lock go. it in, baby. <laughs> Let's go. I got to get some. If up. it hits, by the way, I'm going NASCAR tout next Let's week. Go. Package is available <laughs> on the website. Right, so, so, John, him and I were already on top five. Yeah, big on top five. Chastain. Yeah. Yeah. Coming in, I, I now I gotta go lay down. Yes, on this. I yeah. love. I absolutely fucking love that. That that was the first name you pulled out. Let's go, dude. I think he's gonna be there at the end, dude. He's I had rocket believe. ships as of late. Like the last yeah. three or four weeks, he's been <laughs> top two car and an eight two. Well, Larson and Truex have had really good cars too. I guess Byron. He'll be that. He'll be that guy with Larson that can pass on the bottom or top. Yeah, that's usually He'll how he be is. Able yeah. to run everywhere there is. But he likes to run into shit too. Oh, so. dude, he's like the most hated driver in the garage <laughs> right now because he wrecks people. He's like a, he's just like, there were Dale Sr. comparisons like the last few he's weeks. Worse than, it's, wild. it's worse than Dale Sr. God. It's wild. Dale Sr., at least most of the time, tried not to tear up your shit. And wreck himself out of the race when he was doing it. Oh. All right, man. That's an incre- that was an incredible wrap to this podcast. Yeah. That's just that's great stuff. So John, Jorge, Georgie, Johnny, Johnny Boy. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming George. on. I feel like that was uh I learned hey, a lot about tennis. Hey, George. <laughs> I felt like I learned a lot. Um we're going let me <laughs> I tried to write down these matchups. Pedro Shashin versus Dominic Team. And then uh, Rebecca Masarova versus Coco Golf. Uh, that's where we're rocking with, and for the first round matchups. And uh, I also laid a little center uh, ten to one. That's what I got him at. So we'll be watching. I'm, I'm going to watch the French Open when I can. And if Ross Chastain wins this weekend at Charlotte, <laughs> you have got to promise me that you'll at least watch the next race. Okay. All right. Let's go, baby. We got him hooked. If if Ross Chastain wins, oh, he's in, dude. Hook, line, and sinker. Beer, <laughs> beer don't. Beer don't, Bobby. Thanks, John. Uh, now onto our NASCAR segment. Welcome Rory, back. <laughs> Too late, Rory and I just talked uh, between the two segments for like twenty minutes about the state of NASCAR. You got you heard a little bit of it uh, when John was on, but now it's just us two. 
and uh, we're going to run through what our thoughts on Wilkesboro, and then we'll uh, we'll talk 600, and uh, we'll give out our shit boxes, and we're going to do grid rivals. So um, I'll start. I was at the race at Wilkesboro. If you live under a rock, I was tweeting about it all fucking weekend. Place is a fucking time machine. You 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 get off the interstate, you get off 421, you take a right. Uh, you take a right at like the the NASCAR memorabilia shack, which is it's literally a shack. I don't even, I don't think it's still in business. It definitely Sandy has cornfields. Damn right, cows, cornfields. It's fucking literally. It's a two lane road. Like you you turn you turn off the chickens. It's chickens. You know, like chickens. when you're out in the country, you're on a road trip, and you're out in the country. And you turn off and you're like, shit, I need gas. I need to piss, whatever. And you get off the interstate and you find this like sketchy ass gas station with one light on. And you're like, fuck, we stopped at the wrong gas station. That's the exit you get off of to get wrong to Wilkes turn. County. Yes, literally, that's it. <laughs> you take a right. You take another right. It felt like me down in Georgia one night when me and Whitney stopped somewhere. I was just like, uh, plexiglass up, this and that. And I'm like... I got a shit, yo. So I I rolled up in there and took a shit. I ain't scared of nobody. Fuck them. You know what I'm saying? All right. So anyway, like, uh, so you literally you take a right off the interstate, you take another right, and it's two lane road for about a mile and a half, and then at, literally it's cornfields on your left, and it's uh, a couple you know single wides on your right, and then boom, racetrack, right. Uh, you park. There's no parking lots. Okay. There's no such thing as paved roads after you get off this two lane. It's all fields. You're in the mountains. Uh, you know, the elevation change that everyone was tweeting about is crazy. My walk into the track was only like five minutes from where I parked, but you're feeling, you're feeling it after you get up there. Is that like Bristol? Like, yes, uh, yes, uh, yes. Like, Very know, similar to Bristol. It's, except- been, it's been a while since I've been to North Wilkesboro and I was like. 10 12 maybe i don't know been, place oh, place is a time machine dude like the yeah. some of the signs were still original i remember some of, the, some of it yeah some of the right. uh, infrastructure was still the same like i had to duck to get in the bathrooms which is wild and like you you're up on the concourse which is not even a concourse it's like five people wide so like at the top of the stands they have like two concessions they have two bathrooms and i sat on the front stretch but you walk up and there's literally a five person wide walkway. And then you walk down the stairs to get to the bathroom. And then you got a duck to get in the bathroom. It's just the coolest shit ever. Like just, it was so right. fucking awesome. And you're so close. You like, I sat 17 rows up. I was second. Two You've rows never to been top. to Martinsville. No. Have you? And I'll, I will pick North Wilkesboro 10 out of 10 times. Well, I'm just saying like Martinsville is probably going to be your closest comparison to it being kind of a little bit BFE, but it's got an interstate right ran into it. You know, you turn right off into it and then the business highway comes across the front of it. But the atmosphere there, it's like hills and built like down in this bottom and whatever. And it's probably your closest thing that you're going to see to that. But with a whole total upgraded facility and everything where they kind of tried to keep everything there and just remodel it and use what they had. You know dude, what I'm saying? I don't think like, they need to remodel shit, dude. That place is a 
gold mine, dude. Like the, yeah. the whole everything was so dope except for the Xfinity needs to get Absolutely. their ass Absolutely. here. Absolutely. That was bull. That was bullshit that they didn't have. I agree. There. I think it. Fuck I, Portland, bro. We're going to Portland on Father's Day, and y'all couldn't just give them the week off too and go to Wilkesboro the yeah, week before. Man. Give me a fucking break. Xfinity would put on such a show. God, no cup. It would be so no good. cup drivers. No cup drivers allowed. And just the Xfinity series. They fucked here. up. They totally fucked up. Drop the ball. Whatever word you want to use, they fucked up. Because the Xfinity cars yeah. would have been an absolute show on on North that surface, the short tracks, the composite bodies, I mean, everything. I felt like they should have just made them run the fucking rain tires for the damn cup. See, race. I don't even know. People were saying that. I don't even know if that would have helped. Like I watched the heats. Yeah. Like I watched the heats with my own two eyes. They suck too. Like the first heat still sucked. Like, yeah, the the tires were burning, smoking when they, they came to pit road. They sucked, dude. Them tires are way too hard. I agree. Way. Well, that, too there's hard. nothing new. Nothing new about that statement. Like every Chase Elliott's talks about and it. I mean, Denny Hamlin's been talking about the Goodyear, it. The Goodyear guy talks in the interview and talking about, oh, Denny's right, and we're gonna do bullshit. Y'all ain't gonna do shit about fuck. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, we, what we're going to do, go like uh, a degree down on the on the hardness of it and get it a little bit softer. Y'all are scared. Y'all don't, y'all are scared. They y'all don't want Texas to blame. Yeah, y'all are scared y'all going to be blamed for putting on a shit show when that's what we, that's what NASCAR really needs. Like, us gamblers, we don't need that. No, no. No, but, sir. But, like NASCAR itself, that, that's what makes it what it is. Like catches the eye of somebody new. Let's say, like all of a sudden, they hardly ever watch NASCAR, and then now all of a sudden you got this new car. They happen to be watching at that time, and it's putting on a good product. And they're like, "Oh damn, I remember these days back in the day." And it's like if it ain't on a mile and a half track at this point, because super speedway racing sucks. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Like, it's no good. So, now you didn't kill short track. So, unless you catch them on the right week, that especially your mile and a half. I mean, even the road courses, you know, they are better. I feel like where more people maybe can possibly win. But Reddick has picked up on a thing that. All right, I'm not allowing you to talk about road course track. racing. Fuck that. But I'm We're just talking, talking about, about the overall product at all. Like all these people out here ragging on Wilkesboro and this and that. It ain't the fucking track's Bingo. fault. Did you Bingo. see that surface? Bingo. Did you see that surface? And shout out, like, they, by the way, shout these out. These dipshits should have brought tires that would have only lasted 50 laps and forced them to pit. Mm-hmm. I, it would have been made a hell of a show. And by the way, shout out. Uh, we had no track issues, like the actual track coming up. We had no yeah. issues. So shout out to to the track team. Uh, they they did the best they could patching that shit up. And I know they had some issues early in the week, but uh, the shit was buttoned up. And and shout out to them. One more topic on Wilkesboro, and then we're gonna get to the six hundred. Uh, I tweeted this out, but boring. And Rory just alluded to it. Boring races for gamblers are a dream. There's reasons that there are podcasts named stay green. There are reasons why people tweet hashtag stay green in the third stage of these races. These like my, okay. So I had, I think I had four plays. I had Ty Gibbs to advance, which went green. It helped. Michael McDowell tried to fuck it, but he didn't. 
I had Chandler Smith over Ryan Newman. They wrecked. That sucks. If it would have gone green, Chandler Smith would have mopped the floor with Newman. And I took uh, Ryan Blaney over Kyle Busch. By the way, Ryan Blaney lapped Kyle Busch. Same set of tires or same same freshness of tires. Lapped Kyle Busch, right? It goes green. Th- th- this is all we can ask for. But the fan side of me is like, God, that race sucked. Like the ra- oh, Well, the racing product sucked. Yes, I think we can all agree on that. Uh, and you know, I, I hope we go back. I hope the package is better, and I hope to God somebody has some brains to bring moves? the goddamn Xfinity series to Wilkesboro. Yeah, was it not anybody making moves that the TV wasn't covering? There were I mean, like guys, as, you know, guys battles were, back. Yes, the- guys were trying to throw it in and won. That was about the only place that you could make uh, a pass. Like you, could, you had to get a run yeah. and use the concrete on the apron to really get your run coming out of four and then you could dive like i was listening to you know i was hopping around radio to radio trying to find something and you know get some entertaining shit and you know looking inside looking inside and you know you basically you essentially had to shove your bumper in there and hope that the guy uh went up the track and gave you the bottom lane because if not you were getting wrecked so and we didn't see a lot of wrecks right we didn't we, we saw a bunch in the truck series uh but we really didn't see a lot we didn't, we only saw one in the in the All Star race, and it was Stenhouse getting wrecked over Kyle off Kyle Busch's bumper. But we're gonna have to start taking Larson more often when we actually have boots on the ground there between me, you and me. Larson's won a lot of races that you and I've been to, yeah. And Mike would have won Bristol <laughs> that, yeah. that night. I mean. Kyle yeah, Larson's young crazy. fucking money, baby. I'm gonna. I'm, we're obviously I do the editing after we record and uh, I, I downloaded the, the Twitter post Instagram reel that he did with the Scott Bloomquist. Hopefully that's our intro. Hopefully I get that figured out. Cause God, that shit fired me the fuck up, dude. God. I love that. I go back and watch it. So do I. I think, <laughs> so do I think I. it pops up on my Instagram or somewhere feed, like almost every day. They're like, you want to see this again, don't you? I'm like, you've been listening to me. Haven't you through the phone? Them assholes listen to everything we say. <laughs> yeah. I figure we'll just pull it out now, too. Why not? All right. Let's talk 600. Um, oh, boy. Last year, you know, we're only going to be another 15, 20 minutes. So don't think we're going to be here for another two hours. But well, it might be more than 15 or 20 minutes. We I love the Coca-Cola 600. Do you? All right. Well, last year, a uh, <laughs> bunch of wrecks. A lot of, lot, the asterisk report is mighty long this week. Uh, there was a, you know, a Austin Dillon four wide Chastain Larson. And I can't remember the fourth car, but, uh, they tried to go four wide on the, the green, white checkered and, um, junked about half the top 10. And before that, Chase Briscoe wrecked himself off of Larson's bumper, trying to get to him, which that would have been a Fucking hell of a idiot. battle. Yeah. Dumbass. That asshole. That Cost was twice that year. Fucking Reddick at the dirt track, and then Larson yep. again live twenty to one. Fucking Briscoe, Coca-Cola six hundred. Yeah. So now I I I do think there is a a significant chance that that happens again. Not necessarily Briscoe or for you know second wrecking where you know causing a lot, but just the attrition, the the wrecks. It's a long fucking race. A lot can happen. Uh, and you know tire strategy. I know they get a fuckload of tires so it probably won't be running out but um you know maybe you know depends on where the when the uh when the cautions fall and when they come and take tires and who's stage racing and shit like that but 
Anyway, um, we're gonna bet it just like well, any other mile and a half. Same tire, same tire code as Kansas. That's a great question. I actually don't know. Somebody said that. Somebody I should know that. that. Fuck. Shame on me. Somebody, I think. Yeah, I think somebody said it. So, uh, no, nah, that's a great question. Fuck, I don't know. I'm gonna have to ask Derek. He knows he's got all, and Phil. They both got all the fucking answers. Jayski. Jayski. Yeah, Jayski, dude. He's been that dude's been doing it a long time, boy. All right, um, you want to do grid rival or you want to do shit boxes first? Then we'll do the we'll do the other one after. We can roll through grid rival yeah, first. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, let me pull out the entry. We're not going to flip a coin this week. We're just gonna we're gonna give you our picks. How about that? So I got Rory's entry up. We're gonna do Rory's entry first, and then we'll do uh, we'll see if we disagree on any of these, and then we might have to have two separate entries. Um. Kyle Larson versus Denny Hamlin. I'm not even going to ask about that. <laughs> no, but seriously, Denny Hamlin, uh, didn't he win this race last year? Pretty sure he did. This is Kyle motherfucking Rory right here. <laughs> uh, that's all you got to say about it? I ain't I ain't taking fucking Denny Hamlin. I mean, Larson, third speed yeah, Hamlin rankings. did win. Who am I fucking kidding? Why question myself? Denny Hamlin, Larson. fourth. I mean, Hamlin's fast at all these places. Larson is too. I'm just going with my boy in this one. All right, let's I think it. he's I gonna like have a fuck. I think he's gonna have a fucking one of those Darlington. I gonna kick everybody's ass, and then hopefully Ryan Newman doesn't wreck the fuck <laughs> or Almarola for that matter. Oh Jesus, him. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. uh, shit. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. I feel like one guy that hasn't been talked about this week is William Byron, which I've talked about him a bunch at Dover, a bunch at Kansas, and a bunch at Darlington. And now I find myself like not really, it's not that I don't like him this week. I just like, he's not scratching the itch for me. What do you think about Byron? I I feel like it's this, this would be my top. If I had a model, I can imagine these guys would have to be at the top, and maybe they wouldn't be because it's somewhat of what I think is going to happen in this race. And Kyle Larson, William Byron, Chase Elliott, and Hendrick Bell, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Truex. Okay, Jr. so Hendrick a, with, and a Reddick, with a Reddick throw in with that. I think those are the seven cars to beat. Now, do I think they're all going to have perfect races? That's the joy. No, of this, there's a this, very high chance. You know, no, I mean, somebody's going to fuck up probably to at least two or three of them going to have some kind of issue. This and that you never know what the hell is going to happen in the Coca-Cola 600. You remember that one year, that badass right where what was it? Keselowski just didn't see the yellow come out and killed like, Chase Elliott's right rear or some shit. I don't remember that. You, you got the yeah, here, not me. It was like the year that uh, Truex dominated, I think. I was at the campground watching. I brought my 40-inch and put it on the damn, you know, we can't go nowhere and not see the races, damn it. So I had that set up on, underneath the canopy. That's where, I mean, I sleep under the canopy. I don't give a shit, <laughs> you know. Like, I, I love being out outside. Like, well, now that it's warming up here, TV's definitely getting ready to go out on the damn deck. And we 
watch races on the deck and especially those summer night races we got to bring back more summer night races you know uh, especially for cup on saturday night i think it's perfect because people like us it's kind of like almost a day off unless indycar is on and i'm gonna watch that and then i'm not even i'll go out and have fun whatever i'm not even paying attention to a damn thing when when we get those and i think I wish Richmond would go back to that because I almost feel like the night race at Richmond puts on a better show because the track's cooler than the damn day race at Richmond. I don't know. I think think you got it backwards. No, it gets stretched out for the one in the daytime too much. You will still, from that surface, get stretched out. I just think it would help keep the front runners maybe a little bit closer where a very, very good ass long run cars, so to speak, like don't just go out there and, and dominate like they do in the daytime race. It seems like. All right. Let's go back to grid rival. Um, as far as product. Yeah. Wise. Fuck Richmond. We're Richmond's long gone. We'll talk about them later in the season. All right. Chase Elliott, uh, Mickey mouse first, Kevin Harvick, Rodney Childers. I'm going Chase Elliott. I mean, he had number one speed ranking last year. He obviously wrecked, but I mean, all right, he hasn't been worth a shit since he came back. But I'm all I'm all over I'm, Chase Elliott. I'm going. I'm gonna go Happy Harvick in a race that he's finished 11th or better in all right, 12 so here's of the, the last thing. 13 starts and take a chance on this right here of going with somebody I think might be really low owned that I have a really good opportunity okay. of winning this matchup. Okay. This is where I'm going. Okay. With that on this one. I like I'm it. not saying Chase Elliott isn't, didn't I name him in the top seven yes, you did. of my, okay. So I think he's going to have a really fast ass race car. Is it a matter of, him not getting in shit and his pit crew or somebody not screwing it up for him. And then I got Harvick over here that I feel like is going to be a top 10 car by the end the of closer, the closer. The closer. Yep. I agree. Rodney, I get Rodney, I get that thing cheated up during the race <laughs> at some point where NASCAR doesn't see Make him. Make sure you cracked it up. back in Kevin. And, and, the, and the, yeah, or something, you know, like we need to get this thing up into the wall. That's why I got you so loose, dog. I, I want you to tap that wall a little bit, bend this thing. So you know? it's interesting. I'm looking at the speed rankings from last year's race. The top six speed ranking guys, other than Reddick, Reddick finished sixth. Everybody else finished outside the top 20, which is wild. Uh, and then you got Harvick, who had the 23rd best speed ranking, and he finished third. So, obviously, there were some late wrecks and uh, took out half the top 10, and there was some funky shit. But um, I, I do like – I like what you're saying about Harvick being low-owned here because Chase Elliott has had such fast cars. He had that one where he pitted on the green-white checker to no one else pit, and then Brad Keselowski ended up winning, and he dominated that day. So, he's led a bunch of laps here. Um, but – Kevin Harvick, he's the closer. He he's he's on his. We talk about it week in week out. Harvick's on his own island. Like he's doesn't whatever SHR is putting out in the other three cars. Harvick doesn't get that shitty treatment, and uh, and he's got Rodney Childers on the box. I mean, he's one of the best to ever do it. Probably top five crew chiefs of all time, in my opinion. Uh, I think Rory would probably yeah. agree with that. All right, uh, Rory. I, yeah, man, you're kind of talking me into this Harvick deal. Fuck. 
All right. You know what? I'll do it. I'll do it. Just for the low ownership, I got to make some points up. I'm sitting like 93rd. Uh, let's do it. I like it. Um, and by the way, I, like I would not be shocked if Kevin Harvick unloaded or unloaded and what if had Kevin better Harvick speed than won? Chase Elliott. What if Kevin Harvick won this race in his last year on fuel mileage? That would be what if, lit, dude. What if we had, what if we had like enough of a, something happens earlier on in a run they pit and then they got just enough gas if this bitch goes green and new tires aren't enough to make up the ground because it's so that close like it's a five lap little gap in fuel that'd be or lit. something that'd be lit all right um this is my one of my favorite matchups of the week i actually have money on down on this matchup uh chase briscoe versus austin dillon what you like Chase oh, Briscoe. we're we're opposite on this. Yeah, Chase Briscoe. So you so you even like him at even money? I got him at plus one. That's what I'm saying. But Grid Rival is essentially even money. Yeah, you still like him? Yeah. Well, I love my even money bet even more. I'm all over Austin yeah, Dillon. I tweeted out a poll. All right. Well, then what are we gonna do? Let's make a bet right now. Let's make a bet right now. Um. All right. If I win, if Brisk, if uh, Dylan beats Briscoe, you got to edit the podcast next week. Oh Lord, <laughs> this should be interesting. <laughs> I'll edit it. I'll put it out. <laughs> <laughs> Download send. <laughs> all right, we'll figure out a bet because yeah, I'm all over Dylan and he's all over Briscoe. So for this entry, I'll write down like Briscoe. But dude, Briscoe has like been learn fucking. How to do that. I'll teach you one day. I know. Teach you. It ain't that hard. It ain't that hard. Uh, Briscoe has been dog shit. I don't know. I don't know what you like about Briscoe on these speedways, but, but you like the number. Oh, uh, well, well, the numbers are screaming for awesome. I like, I liked what I seen in an interview with him talking, getting his pins taken out and everything. Then he won on the dirt track over there at Millbridge. So, I mean, I don't know what kind of competition he was up against. You do know kind of that he equipment. had. You do know that Chase Briscoe had three straight top fives with the pins in his hand, right? Really? Yes. On what track? Bristol so, Dirt, Martinsville. Uh, Bristol Dirt. I think he was so. It was when it first happened, and it didn't really start bothering him dirt isn't that too you know bad on what do you mean, I mean he's driving turn the wheel the he's opposite not, way yeah but bristol dirt martinsville and Talladega. i felt like the car probably was handling good at bristol dirt Maybe but he did say it hurt but it was shorter you know it was a shorter race 250 laps i think right for bristol True. dirt yeah yep so when you get to Dover for 400 laps and then freaking Darlington for 300 and what, 367 at Darlington, I think. Or no, that was a 400 mile or 367 so. is 500. Yeah. So 400 would be shit. 1.3. 284. Fair. Close. I don't know. Sounds good. All right. Um, so you're going Briscoe in this entry. I, I I just hand, no hand, broken hand, healthy hand. I don't give a fuck. 
Austin. I think he's going to finish the race and Austin Dillon's okay. going to fucking right. get caught up in some shit. That's fair. I'm laying mega juice that's on my, Austin Dillon in this that's race. That's my opinion. All right. on it. I, don't, I think it cashes early. All right. This next matchup is a uh, doozy. It's a doozy, and this is an opportunity to where everyone's going to be on the same side, and that's I will also be on the same side. Bubba Wallace versus Martin Truex Jr. And I – Martin Truex – has had some rockets this year on mile and a half since 2022. Truex has the number one total speed ranking. I know Bubba Wallace had some good runs at Kansas. He's had good runs as of late. Toyota has had good runs, but dude, Truex led 392 laps. He he didn't lead eight laps. 600 mile race. He didn't eat, eat eight laps. What is that? Like 90 something, 96 percent, 97 percent, 98 percent. Where the fuck I don't like I don't like Bubba Wallace like other than outright right now in my opinion at anywhere. I like agree. it's either grab him at really, really good plus money like top Toyota or something of that nature. Leave him alone in any kind of matchup. Cause he, he's then gone back into that. Even though he has had this spell where he's been running good. I still say I would rather him prove me wrong against a guy mm-hmm. that's a veteran mm-hmm. in this race and has been really, really good mm-hmm. in this race. I'm taking that guy. Agreed. Truex, Truex. Truex, last three points races, Dover, Kansas, Darlington, speed ranking, third, second, second. Dude's on a fucking heater right now. Watch out. Yeah. Watch out. Uh, yeah, it's going to be the Chevy and Toyota show. I agree. All right. Um, so we're on Truex agreed. Uh, it's probably going to be like a 90, 10 percentage split, but we'll take our chances. Um, Kyle Bush versus Willie B. I'll start with this one. I'm all over Willie B. And this goes back to, uh, where did I have Willie B? I think it was either, it was either Dover or Kansas. I was all over William Byron and Phil was on Kyle Bush. It was a matchup. And, uh, it's like, what, what, it's the same argument. What are we going to get out of Kyle Bush? What are we going to get out of the eight car? Is he going to be a top three car or is he going to be a 15th place car? And the last handful of weeks, he's been like this 10th to 12th place car. And yes, uh, Darlington, he was in the top five, but you know, he had some funky cautions and he did have a pretty, pretty good car. Fourth place speed ranking at, uh, Darlington. But before that ninth at Kansas, 15th at Dover, uh, 14th at Vegas, and then before that it was Auto Club, and obviously you won the race and had a rocket. But I'm all over William Byron in this matchup. What do you like? You got to go with the guy that's been more consistent yep. right here. Yep. I mean, Will, William Byron, I feel like basically the second best car this year as far as overall at pretty much everywhere. Martinsville surprised me just a little bit. I, that's how hard it is to pass it that at that damn track specifically, and he's had some good runs there, but that was in the older car with with you know a whole lot more tire wear and rubber being laid down on the track mm-hmm. versus what it is now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know he won the one you know the first one there in the next gym, but he never lost track position and stayed out front. That's the thing with him. If they don't lose track position and he gets out in clean air early, early on in a run, he's so much faster than everybody early in a run. He stretches leads out. And then by the time you take a place like Charlotte, I'm expecting the tire wear here isn't like high excessive, but there is some. So I feel like you're going to have guys once these things, if it does stay green, 
that are going to be able to run people down, but it's just a matter of when people start pitting and whatnot and strategies roll in. I mean, I feel like they always come out on the good end on strategy races. Like Rudy, Rudy Fugel does a hell of a job of putting him in good spots and taking even a shitty day if he can and keeping him out or something like that. And then Byron and clean air is different than Byron and traffic. Mm -hmm. I agree. I'm taking the more consistent driver as well. Uh, and William Byron. So, okay. We, yeah. we agreed on four or five. That's good. Yeah. I mean that I can't believe they didn't have Christopher Bell in none of these. Yeah. So you, I've right heard, here. I've heard his name come out of your mouth a few times. You like that. Huh? I like, I like him this week. I think this is like straight up his wheelhouse and he's had a few bad finishes and stuff that wasn't really of his doing. And then they've had a couple of tracks that they struggled at that I didn't think they would, but this dude's got a hell of a damn uh, speed ranking and has ran well in these mile and a half races. I mean, I think if the pit crew doesn't mess him up, he's going to be there at the end of this damn race somehow. I mean, look at him at Darlington. Yep. Right there. Yep. He he was second fastest definitely at the end of that race. Him him and Larson were in it that was crazy how fast Larson was at Darlington. <laughs> I mean, he didn't stretch the field by three seconds at a track where everybody else is running the same lap times and he's on a different planets. Yep. I agree. All right. Um Christopher Bell, maybe we'll find him in the ship box. Uh, this week, let's look at trucks. We're we're going to shift the gears here. Ship boxes. We're talking ship boxes. Uh, I'm going to start. We're going trucks. You got a truck play for us? Get, get the searching. Get the scrolling those lines. Hey, I got one. Um, all right. Well, I'm going uh, Zane Smitharuni, top three minus one twelve on bar stools. The best line I could find. I think he's minus one thirty at certain places. Uh, Zane Smith, terrible at Darlington, which he's historically been terrible at darlington even in gms trucks uh and the, don't let that steer you away i was all over zane smith for a top three last week he absolutely had the second best car next truck next to larson uh and then he fucks it on on pit road and uh i go piss i come back and he's fucking in the back and then he wrecks so it's he was at that top three was bound to hit uh a couple stats here zane smith has raced at charlotte three times in his career okay he's led north of 12 laps and every single one of those races had a driver rating. The first time he ever stepped foot on Charlotte, uh, he finished third, had a driver rating of 113. Uh, and then last year, finished fifth, uh, started second, won the first stage, had a driver rating of 115. I don't remember what happened. Don't ask me. He led 52 laps. Uh, and then, you know, two years ago, finished 10th. I still don't know what happened. One stage two, led 13 laps. Yada, yada, yada. You get the gist. St. Smith. He's the class of the field. He's a favorite for a reason. I don't like his outright number, but you damn fucking right. I love his top three number. So I'm all over Zane Smith, top three minus 112 in the truck series for my shitbox bet of the week. All right, Roars, what you got, kid? All right, so I'm going to go with back-to-back winner right here. Give me a little Christian Eckes here at plus 800. Is he better anywhere else? I just pulled up bet 365 for the hell of it. I don't think so. I think just, I saw him seven and a half on Barstool. Yeah, seven and a half Barstool. Okay, so plus 800, Christian X. X is, um, nobody, no no NASCAR guys in this. 
Like it's straight up yep. truck filled, right? Yep. yep. I mean, who's in the one truck? Did they ever say? I don't think it's a scene where that was, was to be t- determined. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I really don't. I really I'm don't. curious to see who the hell ends oh, up David, showing up in is that. Oh, David David Gilliland? Oh, he is. Oh my god. That. He's racing this weekend? Yeah. No fucking what is, way. What is his odds? 18 to 1. Huh. Bro, he hadn't stepped I don't think he stepped foot in a truck in 15 years. That's wild. 20 to 1. Just kidding. 365. He raced Talladega in 2018. Yeah. Wrecked his snow. That was when he's no, he wrecked M-Finger, uh, didn't he? he wrecked, After M-Finger wrecked. Was. No, he did wreck his son, yeah. Huh. Oh, no, no, no. M-Finger wrecked Todd. That's his, right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, I don't remember that. I'm watching a video. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's fucking spot on, dude. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, I literally. I seen. I seen somebody tweeted out. Yeah, I was gonna today. say. I'm Probably. looking at that tweet right now. <laughs> I remembered. I did remember it when I seen it. I kind of forgot. Oh, and then it, okay, and then David Gilland wrecks in finger from the lead. Okay, <laughs> I got it now. I got it now. Wow, holy shit! All right. Um, I still like Eckes and his speed that yeah, he's yeah, had yeah. all year. Betting. Like all my I'm shit not betting marks. on David Gilliland. I like Christian Eckes, dude. Bill McAnally, they've been getting some trucks. Yo, so I sat next to quick, quick little story time. I sat next to. Well, this guy claimed that he was uh, buddies with Christian Eckes' dad, which I believe him because he was spitting some, some shit that I'm not allowed to say on the internet. Uh, but he did say something that the uh, North Wilkesboro race was the first race that his dad didn't have to come out of pocket on to sponsor and that Napa is really tight with Bill McAnally. And that's where the sponsorship come from comes from. But X's dad is funding the whole thing. But now he's been running so well this year, gaining some sponsorship. He's got some external sponsorships So watch the fuck out for Christian X. He's talented. Absolutely. He is absolutely. Dude, he came out of fucking nowhere, dude. I thought this McAnally truck was going to be dog shit. It is him not. being plus, him being plus eight hundred here is a fucking joke. You mean to tell me Nicholas Sanchez is favored over? Well, he like led one hundred ninety-seven laps at Texas a month ago. Eckes is getting ready, I think, to be that next guy that gives Zane a challenge here for this truck series I, run right here. I can't argue like, that. I he's going to win. At, he's going to be that. You know, they're going to have five wins or or six at the end of this year. The, those two. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and Eckes is the one that's showing up. He had fucking good ass speed. You beat William Byron in a KBM truck. Like, I, <clears throat> I just feel like he's beating dudes. I mean, Bubba Wallace was in that race in the Tricom one. That's why I'm just like uh, David Gilliland in it. Bubba Wallace can't do something with the Tricom truck. Ain't nobody gonna do nothing. With mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. I mean, outside of putting Christopher Bell or somebody like that in it, I mean, I agree. I, I'm all, I, I, just, like I like it. I like the play. I like the play, kid. I, I like Christian Eckes. It's a good number with no cup guys in the field. That's a good number. Yes, eight to one. Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, you want it? You got your cup shit box ready to rock, or you want me to go first? Xfinity. Oh fuck. I was I got my template out here and I'm fucking I haven't even looked at Xfinity this week. Fuck me. All right, so I'm gonna go with the car that 
is like what the 54 car used to be oh, and it I looks Gibbs. like a fucking looks like a fucking rocket this year and now you give me ty gibbs at a place that he's dominated I like it. one I love once it. finished second plus 260 yes i mean i wish in the field though he's in a chevy he's in a chevy but I'm all. I am so fucking down to slam Ty Gibbs. If we're talking equipment, right? I am so down. If we're talking equipment, right here, give me give me Ty Gibbs going in all day long at this because he's got that dominator potential, and then take Kyle Busch live once his odds get even higher than what they are right now. So Ty Gibbs is three to one on Barstool. So don't Ooh. don't go jumping down on two six. Okay, I won't. Yeah, bro. I wasn't gonna tie. I am so That's down awesome. to back Plus high games. Yes, I'm so down for this. Absolutely. All right, that's mine too. Both of us. Ty Gibbs to win. Fuck you. Top three number minus 162. That's fucking trash. Although John Hunter top three. Ooh, now you're talking about business. Plus 135. I do be liking that because it's gonna be one of the two. Right, it's gonna be one of the two. It's gonna be John Hunter. It's gonna be Ty Gibbs. Stars one, baby. God, shut the fuck Let's up. Go. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. I'm sorry. God. I'm sorry. Fuck off. That bullshit. Now you got bigger bankroll for this weekend. All right, we're both on Ty Gibbs. Three to one. Absolutely. God, I just dropped a bunch of f bombs in a row. Holy cow. I hope mom doesn't listen to this fucking episode. <laughs> oh, I want to give out. If you're gonna give out that, then I do have. This is gonna be a two-hour episode, by the way. Yeah, this is awesome. This is a banger, you know. I gotta edit, um, so let's hurry this shit up. I know you guys want to listen to Rory's uh, slow-talking voice, but Chandler Chandler Smith top three plus six hundred. Oh, that's juicy number. That's juicy number. Give me that. Remember how badass that car was at Las Vegas? That's a juicy number. Yeah, and he ran well at California, so that tells me. Well. He's ready to get back on a mile and a half track after some bad races at your Dovers. Play, I I think he struggled at some of those tracks because it's just the track type. Sure. I think this will be a refreshment uh, right here in Charlotte. You know, everybody, I'm assuming co- colleague is around that area wherever they build their race cars at. I mean, most of them are. I don't know. I like it. I like it. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. I like Chandler Smith. Sorry, I got shit to do. I got sleep to catch. I got podcast. I actually got to. I got to record or edit two podcasts tonight. All right. Uh, Cup. Uh, We might be on the same one on this one too. Ross Chastain, top five. I got him at plus one sixty. I think he's still out there because as of last night, as of Wednesday night, we're recording on Thursday night. As of Wednesday night. There were still some 14 to 1, 15 to 1 numbers floating out there. So I, I think if you shop around, you can still find Chastain top five at plus 160. Uh, dude led 153 laps at this race last year. Obviously, wrecked coming four wide on the green white checkered. Uh, and uh, speed ranking is absolutely off the fucking charts. Uh, last three weeks, second, seventh, first, uh, you know, top five was cashing at Darlington for 95% of the race, maybe 99% of the race. Uh, and, uh, Suarez also had a pretty decent car last year at the 600. Uh, his speed rankings were, were top four. He was fourth in speed ranking and actually had the number one speed in segment four stage four. That's interesting to say. Uh, and also wrecked finished 25th, but, uh, I like track house, dude. They got something going on, man. They Chastain has these fucking rockets and, uh, I'm not afraid to bet him. I'm not afraid to bet him. 
if someone wrecks him, then that'll be the wake-up call. But as of now, we're going to continue to bet him. So what you got, buddy? I got Kyle motherfucking Rory. <laughs> Plus, I, I wonder – I'm just pulled up one book. I'm I'm gonna put this in right now. What you like? Wherever I can find it best at, but top three. Okay. Down bar stool top three. Okay. Oh, what is he? Uh, let me pull it up. Kyle Larson to finish in the top three in the Coca Cola Six Hundred at Charlotte this weekend, plus one twenty-five. All right, so I got plus one thirty there, and regardless, you're on Kyle Larson. Just for shits and giggles. Oh. I'm going to pull up. Yep. Not even good. Way worse there. Plus 100. So, plus 130, I think, is pretty damn good value on a guy that I think is going to be in the top three. Yeah, I like that. I, at this, like, slam it. I like it. I, this is one of those situations where I feel comfortable taking him even outright, slamming the top three. I'll probably wait since I'm going to slam the top three to bet him live. Mm-hmm. I, I would rather just take him that way. And that if I don't get screwed in the end for some reason, and he drops to second, I mean, it happened numerous times to me in 2021 dude should have won like 15 races <laughs> that year. I mean, no shit. I, I like Dominated. top three. I like ta- I like taking I mean, the favorites top three. I just did it with Zane Smith. I like it with Larson too. I like Zane definitely top three in the trucks. Maybe we can do a, a little parlay. Right, I got. Oh yeah, I got a I got a good one, and it doesn't even have to involve Kyle Busch or Ty Gibbs. Drop down to John Hunter Nemechek. Top three. Zane top three, John Hunter top three, Larson top three. I really honestly think Gibbs and freaking Nemechek are going to be the two best cars at Charlotte. All right, let's see what Caesars is going to get. JRM is struggling on on those track types. I just feel like it might be one of them, you know, that actually shows up, doesn't have a fuck up during the race and something go wrong. Algar or Barry, I don't see both of them. I could be wrong. That's just my thinking going in. I think you have to downgrade them a little bit this year and can't go off of Barry one here last year. But the skew in the rear end is is throwing them off. I mean, even Junior said it. They're not building as fast to race cars. I agree. All right, uh, we're doing Kyle Larson top three, John Hunter top three, and Zane Smith top three plus eight fifteen on Caesar Sportsbook. That's what we're rocking with this week. Fuck yeah, let's go, baby! I like that. Hell yeah! All right, bro. I appreciate all you guys listening. We had our most listened to podcast ever last week. I got shit to do. I'm sorry that I'm I'm cutting this off, but we're at an hour and forty something minutes. And uh, I got I got. We're having such a good time. I know though. we are. I know. Next, I took next a, week. I took a half a day tomorrow, so my goal is to be there early <laughs> Shut and the not fuck lose up. and not lose as much of my PTO <laughs> as as I want to. But I have a feeling it's going to be fuck it. I'm losing PTO. <laughs> all right, buddy. I appreciate you, man. Have fun on your PTO tomorrow. All right. I am beer dog. Beer motherfucking dog. Kyle motherfucking Rory. You know what to do. Young money millionaire, baby. All right, buddy. He's showing up. Yes, sir. He's showing up. Let's do it.
See you, buddy. Bye, man.